We'll see how Cybernick works. This setup is incredibly baroque at this point. It is it's so it is completely out of control. This is so fucking complicated. I can't even believe. It. I know. So <laughs> it's okay. We're just recording local audio, remote audio, <laughs> live streaming video that's running through an additional live audio source for Nick that is secretly a live video, like cutting edge While beta also land local video transcoding. Good thing <laughs> CPUs are good now. Yeah, uh, let me just quickly open up twitch.tv on this computer and cause infinite echo forever so that I can monitor chat. Oh, Christ. Welcome to the Idle Thumbs Ruination Online for December 2017. This is the podcast on which we answer questions posed to us by high-tier subscribers to our Patreon campaign. Uh, more information there at patreon.com slash idle thumbs. If you're interested in asking us questions on this podcast, we are now streaming this with what I would say is the second most complicated idle thumbs live streaming setup we've ever used. What was the first most the, complicated? For the like one where we had, the oh. one where we had like Steve and Danielle and everyone oh, yeah, right. call in. Um, yeah. this episode is, 300. Yeah. Episode 300 of idle thumbs. Yeah, this this is now, um, I guess, how we're just going to be doing this every month, which is Nick remotely uh, patched in for both the live stream and the recorded one. Yep. And it's working pretty well. If you're watching on Twitch or YouTube, you will see Nick Brecken's face in at least one place, uh, <laughs> possibly more places <laughs> on screen. Because Stay tuned for additional <laughs> Nick <Yeah>. Brecken virtual <clears throat> appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into questions. Let's dig in. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm Chris Remo. Oh, I'm Nick Brecken. I'm. Oh, I'm Jake Rodkin. Okay. What? Welcome. You guys. Whatever. I can't even play along. There's no fun anymore. <laughs> You're just such a snide player along. You play. You play along with such a snide. Uh... I like being described as a snide player along. <laughs> Um, all right, so we have a question from Stephen Nori, who writes, Life has got in the way and left me three months behind in my podcast listening. So, please show me what good futurists you are and give me a prediction on what will happen in the world between time of recording and mid-February when I'll actually be able to listen to this. Hmm. <clears throat> Oof. That's such a bleak, honestly. I know, like, God, That's Jesus. such a distressing, terrible Oof. thing to have to think about or do in the world right now. <laughs> I don't really think Ugh. I want to. Um, I don't know, like, the holidays will happen, and hopefully you have a fun time. Uh, hopefully you did have a fun time mm -hmm. over the holidays and New Year. And, yeah. Uh... uh... <laughs> uh, weird robots will get smarter probably yeah um, mm. there'll be a lot of like pre-olympics hype oh when do the olympics uh, start i think february <laughs> seriously so the, you won't get yeah, to the watch olympics the olympics always yeah. are always such a surprise to me yeah will will any nation uh will our nation be in the olympics see this it gets bad <laughs> anything is bad yeah, anything you're talking about is you fucking bad is, there's, yeah, a, there's, a, there's a bleak you know possible outcome to it mm-hmm we'll be we'll be recording this podcast and we'll be happy and you'll be happy you'll be listening to us yeah. and everything will be great our, our recording setup will get even more complicated and ridiculous mm -hmm. even more nick breckens will be composited into every oh i'm already doing that actually during <laughs> during the recording <laughs> um well oh you know what we'll have all of our <laughs> postcards caught up and sent out 
That's I'm gonna I'm gonna plant that flag in the ground. That's I'm gonna true. say our Patreon backers who have paid for postcards. Uh, oh, the we'll next have... month. The next month should be showing up on Tuesday, so we can get oh, those good. out before. Oh, Christmas. before we all go out of town for yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Nice. Uh, postcards coming. Hilarious that that we have to say every single month. They're still coming. <laughs> we sent out a shitload of postcards we sent recently, out though. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of postcards recently. There's yes. a really good video of Chris like unable to get them all into the mailbox that we uh, put oh, yeah. out. Oh so... yeah. Go to our YouTube channel. Um, yep. You can find a proof of uh, me emailing a bunch of postcards with Jake. Will there still be video games, asks chat in three months? I don't know. Uh, Ho- hopefully not. Yeah, there'll be some of them probably. Oh, okay. Will Spelunky 2 be out by then? Probably not. No. Will that, will that wacky game that uh, Derek Yu of Spelunky is contributing to, the one with like dozens know. of... Yeah, the 50 arcade game, oh, yeah. game Or the 50 NES game I don't know game, any game. game comes out anymore. Video games. Uh, there'll probably be like 14 more Marvel movies and three more Star Wars movies by then, I'm guessing. Yep. Uh, Mitch Mastroni writes, Hello, Thumbs. I've been working for a small game studio for just over a year. Up until recently, we were operating out of the living room of my boss's apartment. In the past month, we moved into a dedicated office, but it still doesn't feel like a real professional workplace. It's more like a collection of sit-stand desks and cardboard boxes piled high with wires and controllers. In designing and modifying the workspaces of Idle Thumbs, Camposanto, etc., what have you found to be the most important or most frequently overlooked amenities and features of a comfortable workspace? Happy holidays and Fuknik Brecken. What? Um, I actually really like this question. Yeah. I think that's a cool question. I bet Jake has a lot to say yeah. about this. Uh, because I care too much about office amenities. Yeah, but I think there's something that is like intrinsic in that, even aside from the specifics of Jake. I mean, I think, honestly, the most important thing if you're creating an office space is to care about it. Yep. Like, mm. Which can go literally all the way down to... At least one person cares enough to basically keep it tidy to a certain baseline. Like, I I mean, I think people definitely are different in this regard um, because, I, you know, I keep my personal desk pretty messy uh, and I, I'm able to just deal with that. But shared spaces, common areas, workspaces, when they are sort of just cluttered and not taken care of and sort of grimy, it's like depressing to me like it makes me feel bummed to come to work i don't like it the 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 benefit of having a well taken care of space is so uh you just cannot be overstated yeah i think that the number one thing in this person's email is they say it doesn't feel like an office because it's more of a collection of sit-stand desks and cardboard boxes piled high with wires and controllers in my opinion whether it's like your apartment or your house if you have cardboard boxes full of shit yeah that is the thing that will make it feel like you want to die all the mm-hmm. time. Go to Ikea or the container store or something and just buy some wire mesh shelves, put them on the emptiest wall in the back corner, and just put all of those boxes on those shelves yep. and get them the fuck out of your mm-hmm. line of sight. And then as you start needing things from them, bring single items back out of the boxes until you've built an office. Like if you don't if you don't have it in you to move in all the way, at least get the shelves or get the boxes away from your yep. life and it will feel a lot better. Buying cheap storage and shelving <laughs> goes a long way. I would say we have an example of this just from the last week so you know we we have these patreon postcards that we send out that we just alluded to obviously and because of the way it works you know we have this interactive story written by nick it means that a given month like one single month of postcards might have like nick what's the highest number of postcards in a given month so far nine uh like yeah eight or nine yeah yeah so so some months have like nine different postcard variants and then you multiply that by uh jake is your phone flashlight intentionally on what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, you multiply that by the number of months we've had, which are like 11 or 
coming up on like 11 or so, I think at this point. That's so many different postcard variants, and each one has like a couple hundred cards, you know, so we have enough yep. for everyone. And, and Jake, just like a week ago, um, ordered some just like cheap plastic bins, the that are the exact width of our postcards. And then but we they're super long, like a card catalog or yeah. like a comic book nerd uh, archive right. box. Exactly. And then we organize them by month and by variant. And the difference between having them like spread across three of those versus just having these stacked, you know, piles of postcards, it makes the Idle Thumbs studio feel so much more legit and organized. And, they were not. Ex- <laughs> they were not expensive. We thought they were going to be expensive. It turns out they weren't, uh, and it required very little effort. And it goes a huge way, both because one, it gets rid of clutter, but two, it create. I think there's like a psychological effect where when you see something that looks like it is fit to purpose for the thing it yeah. does, you're like, oh, it's this place is like intentional and organized. Yep. That goes a long the, way. The other things that I recommend are a few comfortable places to sit. Like I bought a shitty couch. I bought no, I bought a mid range IKEA couch and mm-hmm. put it next to where our TV was because we used to have like just a couple office chairs there and it suddenly feels way more like a room. Also, I very strongly advocate getting like um, a sort of vintage stained glass Pizza Hut lamp <laughs> that is delivered and sent to your uh, office and then before it gets there that it's smashed into a bunch of pieces and causes all sorts of hijinks and uh, lame eBay adventures. It really brings an office workspace mm-hmm. together to be delivered a just totally <laughs> destroyed stained glass Pizza Hut lamp that yeah. you'd been hyping up for like two weeks because you thought it was going to be a hilarious thing in the office. It right. was. But a classic storytelling. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I wanted something else than what I got, but what I got, you know. That's a classic show-don't-tell situation. Yeah. Well, it's don't just... tell people about this pristine Pizza Hut lamp. Show them this garbage box of yeah. shattered glass. Well, like fans have been saying dreams. forever that they can't wait to see the Pizza Hut lamp, but like... Uh, <laughs> Give people what they need, not what they yeah, want. Yeah, not what they want. What they what they need is a hilarious, destroyed, yeah. cursed image in a box. Yep. <laughs> so get one of the once your office is nice and comfortable, make sure to then ship just a big pile of garbage into the middle of it. And it's it, the contrast that it creates will be very, very wonderful. That's exactly right. All right. We have an email from Juicy who writes, Oh God, this is the person who told me how to pronounce their name last time and I already forget. Yusi. Sorry. Jesus it's fascinating Christ. to me how we pronounce from how we borrow from nature. How you mispronounce my name every week. Yeah. <laughs> it's, fa- <laughs> it's fascinating to me how we borrow from nature when designing robots and other pieces of technology. See, for example, Stanford Sticky Box. What Sticky Bot? Sticky Bot. Stanford Sticky Bot. <laughs> what is that? Sticky Bot. Stanford Sticky Bot. Juicy and the Stanford f- Sticky Bot. <laughs> and the Festo Robotic Seagull. What are these things? Are you making these up? Stanford Sticky Bot and the Festo Robotic Seagull. It's fascinating. Know, we this just make real. things up. <laughs> it's fascinating. Other examples up. include swimming suits that borrow their texture from shark skin and obviously robots with various leg configurations. In your position as celebrity robot experts, what kind of interesting animal features would you like to see borrowed for future robots? Done. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What are, some, what are some animals that are like really meek and deferential to humans <laughs> yeah. and are not predators? Right. Those ones. I want yeah. those traits borrowed from robots, mainly. Oh, like little dogs. Like cows. Yeah. Like no. A, no. No. Any of these are bad because I guess bulls are pretty aggressive. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. Actually. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they could be easily. Uh, Chat says more worm robots. That's true. Give me like a little <laughs> caterpillar that sort of just. No, oh, that's no, 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 no. no, no. Those they just can find their way into anywhere. Things. Fine, yeah, Chris. exactly. They can, into they can get into doors, they can get under anywhere. doors. They can into, yeah, into through you. little cracks. They're oh, probably gross. slimy somehow. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, they, they, ex- they exude some kind of yeah. gelatinous substance yeah. to facilitate squeezing into areas. Don't like it. I, I don't know, you guys. I think it's fine. You think what's fine? Just robots. You think robots are fine? Yeah. Great insight from Jake. <laughs> They're good. True. They love you. Uh, I don't want them to love me. I don't want them to have opinions. Chris. <laughs> what are you doing over there? What? I can't stop clicking. I think that's all going to come through in the recording. No one will know. Sorry, I'll never click oh, again. Oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mickey P. Oh, this is a good question, Ralph, given what we're doing right now. Mickey P. writes, is it possible, hypothetically, that in the future all three of you may be in different places and recording the podcast entirely remotely? And if so, would you release a video of three monitors talking to each other in an otherwise empty studio? That's the dream, That's my the friend. Dream, that is yeah. the dream, that I eventually clamp three monitors on here and then just project our Skypes, but somehow I've, I'm able to remotely <laughs> admin this yeah. studio and Some, start all the recording up? The situation in which we're all in different places but are still paying to operate this studio is yeah. is a fascinating one it's kind of disturbing um, to me <laughs> yeah just to, i mean well just the idea like you could play like a recording of us on loop and we would just be in this in that room this room <laughs> oh no <laughs> you're here nick you're oh, always, oh, always oh. Been here. <laughs> i don't like that i don't like that at all do you feel like you're here nick um no, I feel like I'm watching the podcast that I'm in. It actually is kind of a oh, surreal existential yeah. experience because I'm <laughs> I get the view that is just like what a right, viewer right. would normally see. I really need see, to put the so monitor up on right. top of yeah. you, you, and then yeah. it'll be fine. Yeah, it is. That is, it that is, is weird. Yeah, it is incredibly you're strange. Having, but it's fine. Actually, like, like my brain has accepted it now. Yeah, uh, this is my reality. I'm living in it. It's fine. But <laughs> you're like having an enforced out of body experience. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. Yeah, but you're just getting acclimated to it every week. You're actually we're preparing you, Nick, for the inevitable decoupling of consciousness from the corporeal form mm. that will happen in the sort yeah. of AI robot singularity. Um, probably between now and February, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometime in that yeah. rough time frame. I mean, I it, you know the other thing is I am kind of just watching a movie of myself. <laughs> I mean, it is like it is like I am just watching. Oh, yeah. you've also pers- got the Total Recall experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah, well, you're creating that movie. You're the creator. That's true. You're the director. That's true. I can't move the camera, though. If I had, like, a webcam, you know, like, uh, like a little web-based oh, applet yeah, or yeah, something yeah, yeah, that yeah. I where I could actually, like, oh, position the camera. you had a web-based camera. applet. <laughs> web-based <laughs> applet. <That's, laughs> it wouldn't really need to be a web-based or an applet, Nick. It That's true. It could just be software. No, I just want it to be, but like... let's go with web-based I want it to applet. be... Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I want it to be the thing, like, you know, when you, like, pipe into, like, a zoo and they have the little, like, slow-motion controls and you can right, sort of right, push right, it right. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it requires you to have like Java installed in some old right. version yeah, of Flash. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you have to be running it on Internet Explorer 3. Yep, yep. That's yeah. what I want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Someone make Nick a web-based applet. Brian Brannon writes, having just finished seeing it myself, if you've seen The Last Jedi, what did you think? Not looking for spoiler talk, I've just been surprised at how contentious the reactions have been online. Huh. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know. This is uh, this is this feels like a a minefield. Ooh. I uh, I actually don't know what the reaction has been online. I I kind of just don't pay attention to that stuff at this point because it doesn't add anything to my life. But it's been very divisive. I, 
it I, I mean I can understand why because my own reaction to it is divisive yeah you know I, to itself I, I have the I same mean, yeah reaction I, I thought this movie had <laughs> some of the best ideas and imagery yeah in any Star Wars movie since the original Star Wars films yeah um, but I also thought it was way too long and had way too many characters and plot threads in it that were yeah. could have been straight up removed and the movie wouldn't have suffered it at all. Really it really overstuffed was, with those ideas, I found. Yeah. yeah. And I I don't know. I, I I enjoyed watching it, but it's an it's a classic case where the more I think about it, the more I wished it was just like two thirds of the length, mm-hmm. maybe, and just like really, really, really smartly edited. I and yep. I think this is something that is like broadly kind of a frustrating trend in big action movies right now, which is that they're just really long. This is the longest Star Wars movie by a considerable margin. And I it's just sort of, it's sort of beyond me why a movie like this needs to be two and a half more than two and a half hours long. I just don't I don't get it. Um but there was beautiful stuff in it. I mean some of the visuals were astonishing and p- people who have seen the film would, you know, probably share a lot of the opinions on which elements those were and like a lot of the stuff that happened was really fun so you yeah. know I'm, I'm i'm mixed yep people in chat are asking if this is spoiler talk for the newest star wars movie we're not we didn't say uh, anything. We spoiled anything. Anything. we haven't spoiled anything, anything. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no no the question the question specified i'm not looking think. for any spoiler yeah, yeah just yeah, generally yeah. yeah 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 i mean just like on a moment to moment basis i feel like this movie had some of the highest highs of at least of these of these two movies i think also of the uh, probably of you know all of the sort of four through eight uh bracket of films but it also had kind of lower lows for me than maybe the force awakens did like the execution of certain scenes i kind of just bumped on um and it kind of uh, I don't know. It was like a roller coaster for me where I was like one from one scene to the next. It was like, oh, man, that was really well done. And then just, oh, I, bleh. you know, just mm-hmm. it was it was sort of a strange experience. I I enjoyed watching it. Uh, and I, yep, me too. I'm very curious to see it again. Um, but and it's I, I I guess I just generally as much as I feel like I, I don't know where I really stand on it. I also am kind of glad that I watched the star Wars movie and it is divisive, uh, in my own sure. brain and on the internet. Like I actually like that. It's interesting enough that it's not just like a Marvel film where you watch it and it's entirely disposable. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, That's I might end up kind of deciding that Ugh, it didn't quite work for me, but like I, at least I have to think about it, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I thought was definitely great, which could have been very bad were the performances of Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, which I thought were total they standouts were super good. in the film. Mm, yeah. 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 In fact, yeah. I th- like they I thought especially Mark Hamill, which I only say because he wasn't really in the last one, unlike unlike yeah, Carrie he just Fisher. Glowered he glowered for like bit. two seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. right. Like he was his whole not only his um performance, but also just like what that character was given to do, I thought was pretty great. Yeah. Um, which again could have just been nothing. Like it actually, some yeah. of the younger cast was, I thought, outshone by his character and performance, which was sh- shocking and I not would have not expected. Mm-hmm. Um, so good job to, I guess, the, him and the director um, Ryan Johnson for making a lot out of that. Yeah. Yep. Jake <laughs> has no opinions. No, I mean, <laughs> I. I, I I I lean pr- maybe overall more positive than you. Uh, just in terms of how much I enjoyed that movie, and probably will watch it again. But 
I share all of your criticisms basically to a T. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, now we can answer this next question from Alex Schroeder, who says, since the obligatory Last Jedi question has already been asked, <laughs> let's try this. Do you have any opinion on the recent shutdown of Marvel Heroes after its license was revoked by Disney? In particular, what does this say about the future of licensed games in a world where online games are increasingly common? Wow. I, don't I, really know I was not very I aware of that game yeah. at all. Yeah, I wasn't um, either. It probably doesn't matter. Like the specifics of this game, yeah. I mean, they certainly matter to people who played it. But it, but in the in the broader sense, this is obviously just a weird property, like a inevitable reality of a world in which so many games now are intrinsically tied to their online component. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this uh, uh, it's a mix, though, right? Because the fact that it's a licensed game and the fact that it's yeah, online it's is combined. Both. Like I worked yeah. on. Um, Wallace and Gromit's Grand Adventures, a telltale game based on the Wallace and Gromit cartoons that was on the uh, Xbox 360 and PC. And at a certain point, I think that the game just over its life didn't sell well enough that that um, the license wasn't renewed with Ardman Studios. And the fact that that game is a digital only game, not the, not that it's a multiplayer game, but the fact that you could it, it had very few hard copies ever available. It was mostly sold through Steam. You just can't buy it anymore. Yeah. Like I made a game that you just literally you can't play without pirating or digging up a very rare eBay copy, which I think has like Sony Secure ROM on it, so you still have to crack it. <laughs> oh no. Um, and that's like so it's not necessarily that it's a multiplayer game in this situation mm-hmm. as much as it's a digital it it's though. a digital yes. But the fact that it's digitally sold. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, oh I just realized that but, but this licensed game. is oh, why is is uh, is really interesting. What it what is yeah, what's the deal? I talked is about it? this game on Idle Thumbs. I played it for like a couple oh, wow, of days, really? like a year okay. and a half or two years ago. It, it was yeah. a it was um Led up, I think, initially by Dave Brevik, the Diablo, oh, like the, the yeah, original, you know one what? of the original Diablo you're guys. Right. You're yeah. right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, it was of really Condor just sort studios, of studios, right? Yeah, it was a Diablo which made clone. Diablo one. Yeah, it was just a Marvel licensed sort of Diablo alike, and uh, yeah, it yeah. was fine. Sure, um, but uh, anyway, sorry, I, mean, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jake. No, 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 I was done. I yeah. said everything I needed to say. I, I, I mean, I think this is all of this stuff is then compounded by. I think the few, the further consolidation of the entertainment industry, um, you know, I mean, Disney owns obviously everything that Disney traditionally owned, plus Marvel, plus Star Wars, plus now all of the Fox properties. I mean, I think like Marvel and Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, I think the um, the more that that happens, on top of all these other sort of the intrinsic um, kind of multiple stakeholders problems of licensed properties plus the intrinsic fragility of games that run online i think entertainment consolidation also adds further sort of precariousness to situations like these because when the rights are held by a larger entity that owns so many other properties the chances that any one of them is going to be long-term protected just goes down because it represents a smaller percentage of that corporation's like bread and butter or interest or yeah Yeah. like Mm -hmm. an executive who's going to fight for it or whatever the disposability of all this stuff goes way up yeah Yeah. i mean that should be also obvious by the fact that we're getting between one and three or four movies like fully theatrically released movies based on these properties every year like as opposed Mm -hmm. to plus tv shows as opposed to like you know two decades of there only being three Star Wars movies. Right, yeah. Which already was notable that there were three of them for Mm -hmm. that long. Like one of the rare trilogies that were connected to that intense of a degree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Now the, we have the, three interconnected the, phases of comic right. book movies, each of which have a dozen entries in them yeah. or something. So it's it's pretty clear that the model is no longer like. I mean, there's always been cheap disposable merchandise associated with this stuff, but the right, but the the sort of intellectual property that exists outside of each individual work is the foundation now, as opposed to the individual works themselves. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I think like the existence uh, of Iron Man uh, is more important <clears throat> than the movie Iron Man. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way of, of putting it. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I guess yeah, it's like I, we're going all in on the Darth Vader IP. <laughs> I, mean, that's I mean, Disney's basically trying to turn Star Wars into that by making all these standalone movies that highlight each of the individual mm-hmm. characters. No, it's and, yeah. you know they're yeah yeah they're trying to divorce them from yeah, it's actually, the original movies. It's, it's actually sort of turning it into the way that like superhero comics yes uh-huh. worked, which is you have yeah you have these like trunks for each of the characters and yeah, then all the spinoffs. I think that it's not quite literally what the Marvel movies are doing, but I think that they're trying, like they're trying comic to sort of... books. Yeah, I know, yeah, but I mean, yeah. well, the Marvel movies have basically tried to do that with, right. with, with movies. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think the Star Wars will ever become quite as like pulled apart mm-hmm. as, as something that starts I as a comic game. I think that's probably is, but true, but that's, that is like the, the... The hope seems to be yeah. that they can turn each of the mm-hmm. individual pieces into its own sort of pillar mm-hmm. of, a, of a vague intellectual property. Yep. Pieces into pillars. That's That's... That's P to P. P to P. All right. Resmi says, um, Garth Vader. What is talking? Sorry. Chris, did you ever read The Bone Clocks by David Mitchell? If so, what did you think? And because I haven't asked one of these questions in a while, anyone have any good fiction recommendations? I'm a slow and infrequent reader, so you may have covered this on the bookcast, which is piling up in my podcast feed, sadly. Um, oh, speaking of interconnected universes. That's true. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I did not read the Bone Clocks, um, even though I've really loved um, multiple David Mitchell books because uh, my wife read it when it came out, and um, she unintentionally, like, see, she sort of poisoned the well for me by being kind of met on it, and then I would just didn't have the like um, enthusiasm to read it myself. Um, in part because, I mean, actually sort of related to, weirdly related to everything we were just talking about, one of the things that's happened in that's why I said that. David, David Mitchell's work in recent years, and David Mitchell is the author of uh, Cloud Atlas, and as this reader mentioned, The Bone Clocks, and my personal favorite, The Thousand Autumns of Jacob DeZote, um, and a, a bunch of other uh, novels. He's sort of doing this thing that a lot of authors have done by is sort of implicitly, but he's doing it a lot more explicitly, which is to like thread a lot of the background and lore of his novels, which you'd think would be should be read individually into a kind of shared mm. mythos. And I just do I just don't like that stuff. And it sounds like the Bone Clocks was a big, big step in that direction. And so just I kind of was just like, ugh, I don't really. Not for me. This this world of uh, of never ending franchises is is not the one I would create if I could. But it's it's the one we're in. Um, as far as fiction recommendations generally, I don't know. I mean, it really depends what you like. Fiction is so huge. Um, we uh, for the book club, we're super late on our our next episode, which is was supposed to come out by now, but it hasn't yet. Uh, but it's N.W. by Zadie Smith, and that book is fantastic, and I would recommend it. Um, it's you know, a full length novel. Uh, if you want something short, I would recommend because it was on my mind because Kazuo Ishiguro just won the, uh, God, did he win the Booker or the Nobel? I think he uh, won. This isn't out of book club. We don't know. I think uh, he, Nick, uh, 
<laughs> anyway, <laughs> I just had him on my mind because he won a major literary award recently, and he wrote a, um, this novel decades ago called The Remains of the Day, which was made into a movie with Anthony Hopkins, which I, I haven't seen the movie, but the book oh, is good. like one of the best novels I've ever read, and I mention it because it's short, so if you're a slow reader, uh, it's it's a pretty easy read, but it's just a, a beautiful, wonderful, incredibly poignant novel, The Remains of the Day by Kazuo Ishiguro, an English novelist. If you want something really like funny, but also just, just totally brutal, read uh, The Sellout by Paul Beatty, I believe. I should have looked this up beforehand. Uh, that came out this year and is a, is a sort of a satirical novel about basically about race in America and it's fiction and it's funny, but it's also because of its subject matter. It is just like no holds barred. It is a totally bonkers read. Uh, the sellout. Uh, it's worth, worth reading. Uh, all right. We'll move on unless you guys have any recommendations. I don't. Uh, nothing off the top of my head now. Uh, Doug Tobacco. What? Yep. Our stalwart web engineer who has been with Idle Thumbs since... The beginning, the beginning, but has never asked a question in this in this ruination cast before. Asks his first like, question. Do you want to update your uh, SSL <laughs> certification? <laughs> uh, Doug writes. According to the lyrics to the song "The Twelve Days of Christmas," each day's gifts appear to include a set of the previous day's gifts. So by the end of the twelfth day, the singer has received <laughs> from their true love the following: twelve partridges and pear trees, twenty-two turtle doves, thirty French hens. 36 calling birds, 40 gold rings, 42 geese a-laying, 42 swans a-swimming, 40 milk a maids a-milking, presumably with associated cows, 36 ladies dancing, 30 lords a-leaping, 22 pipers piping, and 12 drummers drumming. You missed There's 60 no roast beef sandwiches, here. but anyway. Just a lot of birds <laughs> and a decent haul on gold rings. That's very good. <laughs> I, I'm really interested... The curve of that is good, actually. The curve yeah, is interesting yeah. because some of them end up having the same number. Like, there's 40 gold rings and 40 maids of milking. That's, there's no question there. It's just Doug being flashy with his, with his Christmas carol knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never really, it never really occurred to me before. It is, I mean, I know that this is something that's, obvi- that's sort of easy to notice when you're listening to the song, The 12 Days of Christmas, but this really lays out there's like, how many like human beings are transacted mm. in this. Like, what are you going to do with yeah. 40 fucking maids? 36 ladies. There's a very good visual presentation of this that, that could be made of someone just receiving gifts from this person and every day just like dump trucks of people <laughs> yeah. and like more rings. Like, God, yeah. another, like, how many more leaping lords do I need? And they just all played by individual actors. Yeah, like, just right. different guys wearing the same outfit. Mm-hmm. Or just Drummers. Like, yeah. Jesus, that one gets pretty just annoying like, pretty fast. My God. Yeah. Yeah. How, why, is, why is leaping lords not used as a sort of quaint, old-timey exclamation? You know? I don't know. It's a, it's it's a good like old timey holiday exclamation. Actually. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Ah, leaping lords. Leaping lords. There's so many lords a leaping in my house. Mm-hmm. Leaping lords. Will you please get those drummers out of here? Then the actual <laughs> the actual leaping lords. Like, you mean us? Uh, we uh, we have no jurisdiction over these drummers. <laughs> <laughs> the lords we may be, the drummers uh, belong to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's sort of a like. Additional bit of information tacked on here by a different reader, and I don't know what this means exactly, but Daniel says, and 40, 40 rings were given to the race of men who above all else desire partridges. <laughs> Wait, what is this? Why is this, why is this Lord <laughs> of the Rings lore? I don't know. I don't know. And then there's an edit to this post that says, 
in the 12 Days edition of Lord of the Rings, the title is a dual meaning because while the song 12 Days of Christmas plays over the movie, 12 Days is also the amount of time that Frodo and the Hobbits last against the 40 ringwraiths after them. Is, all, is that true? Or is this just someone else? No, this is someone else. No, this is this is someone just doing some lore building on top yeah, of this ring yeah. ring stuff. Yeah. I don't know how much of this is real or not because I don't know enough about Lord of the Rings. None of that is real, Chris. Lord of the Rings is, is not, in fact, based on a popular Christmas Carol. <laughs> well, I assumed that, but I could also imagine the publisher of the Lord of the Rings selling a Christmas book for children. That would never be allowed until Christopher Tolkien dies. That will not happen, and then oh, the really? day that he dies, that will happen. Yeah. Uh, Pastoral Mac and Chat says, you could just ask the drummers not to drum and the lords not to leap. Now you've just got a bunch of very talented friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You could make a really good, like, OK Go music video out of all this shit. Mm. To the tune of the 12 Days of Christmas. Yeah, God, that, that would be a thing that band would do at yes, this point. Yes, OK Go presents 12 Days of Christmas in one by, take. Sponsored by some, like, cheese company or something yeah. to make a 12 Days of Christmas pop variant with this. All right. Uh, Polly Bats asks... If you had to choose a foreign cuisine to eat every day, but couldn't choose which particular dishes to eat, what would you choose and why? Also, I'm looking forward to walking in Egypt. I like this question. I think it's a good question. I mm. like it. Nick, I have a guess as to yours. Uh, what's your guess? My guess I, I know French. what I would French. say. You say French? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it would be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I saw bet. this. No, it is, and it's a good one too. I mean, I was talking to. Um, I was talking to Sarah last night and I, I, I noticed I sort of was glancing at the questions last night and I saw that this one had come in and I just asked her, you know, like, what would you say to this? And um, I think she at this at this point, she was like, well, I would say French now, too. And she's like, I never understood why Nick was so obsessed with all like all these French food recipes for years uh, <laughs> until we went to France for the first mm. time mm-hmm. this year. And you just I mean, the quality yeah. of food there is is I, I, it's so stupid. Bonkers. It's a cliche thing to say, but it is yeah. legitimately true. Um, yep. So it's a totally understandable instinct. Yeah. Um, my my first instinct would be to say Italian because it's what I was, it's what I was literally raised on. I mean, you would my, just be given something that you probably liked all the time. Yeah, I like mean, a my comfortable thing from yeah, your childhood always. Mm. Right, especially if it's like legitimate. Well, I grew up eating home cooked Italian food by my dad every day. So like, my 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 sort of default answers would be. Um, Italian, because I know it so well, French, and then Levantine cuisine, like the food of sort of the kind of Arabic area bordering the Mediterranean, because I just choose to eat that so much in my life because I love it so much, which is things like, you know, hummus and tabbouleh and baba ganoush and falafel and uh, kebab and things like that. But it occurs to me that I'm not, that's just the perspective of someone who is an American who eats the versions of all that stuff that is served here. And I don't know, like I'm not deeply familiar enough with those actual like places to be able to confidently say like, yes, I know enough about this to like, I, you know, I might just have the cartoon version of it. I don't know. Right. You would like Vancouver, Chris. There's a lot of really good Turkish um, food oh, yeah? just like right around the corner from us. And just a lot of like fantastic Japanese food. I'd say that I would just uh, take a pretty safe risk as a nerd and, I would just also to give a different answer than you guys. I would just why not Japan? Sure, I don't have. I've not had a lot of food from Japan other than what's served in America. So that's a completely insane thing for me to say and just throw my entire diet of the rest of my life. <laughs> you would else. definitely be surprised by some of the things. And I'm not saying that because of you. I'm saying that because I definitely was. I mm-hmm. I tend. I don't know. I'm I'm a lazy. I'm a lazy eater in the uh, place in which I live. Uh, but when I go anywhere else, I try to. 
eat things that are different and I generally enjoy it because it's food and if other people have been eating it for sure. hundreds of years it's probably yeah, yeah, yeah. going to be good if I get myself used That's to a it. Good instinct I think. Yeah. Um and Japanese is an easy jump. It's a for, for mm-hmm. it's an easy blind leap to make for me who exists. Yeah. So why not? There you go. Uh okay. Um here's a a, a funny question related to that in a different direction. Michael Jakes asks What's the best fast food dessert? Oh, God. Hmm. Best fast food dessert? Yeah. Does a like, dessert-focused place like Dairy Queen uh, count? I, I don't see why not. Yeah. You don't think so? Nick? I'm going to go... Well, maybe. I don't know. I, f- I feel like dessert implies like a dessert menu of another... You know, of, well, Dairy with, Queen within, also serves a hamburger yeah, and fries. That's true. I, forget, I always forget they have actual <laughs> yeah. food there. Hmm. Yeah. I think that has to. I think that that's fair enough. My my the personal for me favorite. Is, oh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh no, we have our first oh, no. Skype like weird uh, moment. Nick, oh, I hate it. Nick, you go. Uh, I was just gonna say the Wendy's Frosty. It's just yeah, same cl- Wendy's a, chocolate Frosty. Easy, yeah. good, yeah. done. Yeah. It's the classic. Talk about cinnamon twists. Number two. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's my number two as well. Yeah. All right. If I, w- I could live off any cuisine, it would be uh, American fast food desserts. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna say milkshake because I don't. I wasn't familiar. That is with which the one, Chris? They're very. I know. Different. I don't know, but I. But yeah, mm. that would have. I mean, some form of that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like some in like out milkshake or something. Crappy packaged cheesecake from somewhere. I have a total soft spot for that kind of shit. But I don't know which. The one. lack of specificity is very upsetting. I know because I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, Ian McNichol asks. My coworker and I were having a discussion at lunch about Soylent and other meal replacements. A lot of food questions this here. This is a food zone. What One side of the discussion believed that eventually the utility and affordability of such replacements will lead to the disappearance of food, which will only exist as a luxury. The other side claimed that food is such a deeply embedded part of human culture that it could never be replaced. On which side do you fall in this discussion? I think that food... At least, like, freshly prepared food is one of the few things that can't be sort of commodified and shipped into a box to someone. I mean, you can have a courier deliver it to you, but it still comes from a restaurant. Sure. And I think there's I think that there's just going to be a middle ground where I don't think we're going to devolve entirely into a soylent society, but I think I like, think things like the like, impossible burger or, you know, like if you know anything about that, which is what they're they're, right. they're making, they're ma- they're tr- attempting to make meat in a basically in a lab that responds like meat like when you cook it it bleeds it's juicy and, yeah, and people yeah. who've eaten it say it's actually doesn't, really doesn't convincing. bleed let's be let's be clear your uh, meat doesn't I mean, bleed when well, you cook it well red juice no, comes out of meat it doesn't yeah yeah it's yeah. not bleeding but but well, it's, it's got juice yeah it's got that yeah. yeah but that's that's still i mean i i don't know where you're going from that i mean you're right that, i mean whether or not food is is where your source of food is grown, whether it's actually like ra- inside mm. of a cow that is butchered or not, or if your lettuce is grown under a grow lamp or under the sun, it turning into a thing that a person wants to eat still requires some degree of mm. preparation and care and freshness. I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe it's really hard to say though, because yeah, maybe, you look I mean, at so many industries, like you look at clothing or something, which is, you know, I would imagine that. Um, given the history of like the textile industry and clothing and fashion and things like that, it probably must have seemed absolutely impossible that clothing could have been mass produced, you know, uh, a, a yeah. certain point ago because it requires so many looks like delicate operations and it's such a it, uh, humans are all different shapes and I like. Think the, the, but now you know, I mean, yeah, or like I don't IKEA. Know. 
I think sustained, you know? maintained temperature is so fundamentally tied to energy expenditure mm-hmm. that having mm. to keep things heated or cooled over time for them to get from the place they need to get to you and still present as a meal is so complicated that that will be very expensive for a long time or we'll just energy starve our planet to death. I mean, yeah. I mean that's like I why like Soylent exists is because right. it doesn't require any of that shit. You just I mean, dump no, it, it into your like body. It feels like we're almost talking around the question, though. I mean, part of what you're saying, Jake, might actually, I think, work against what you're claiming, which is that the need, the sort of cost and complexity of del- preparing and delivering like freshly cooked and made food that looks and feels that has all of the sensory expectations we have of food might become cost prohibitive, right? I mean, if I think I think middle of the road kind of okay food that is a far still like exponentially a yeah. far cry from Soylent will maintain will be locally available at a reasonable rate for a long time. Yeah. I think like luxury dining experiences are going the way of like first class airline seats where that's right. yeah. just right, right, exponentially right. also going through right. the roof. I think you're for, right. Like, Oh, I, I can have a $1,500 fixed price menu where everything is only prepared over like aged wood logs, like right. whatever, like mm-hmm. that's, you know, no, we're blocks you, away from a place that's no, almost that. I think you you're know? totally right. That's how so many things in society are going for sure is you have the mass market version of it yeah, and I, then you have the super, super nice version of it and increasingly I think, little. I in think that like the middle class of food will continue to exist for a while for the reason that this person was arguing of just like eating is just a it's, thing that we need. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that both the Soylent side will, will grow and take up more space and also the 1% of like uh, fine dining will probably continue mm-hmm. to like refine yeah. itself higher and higher up. I think that's probably true. I, but I don't know enough. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's a reasonable guess. Reggie Clark uh asks, what are some of your Christmas traditions? My wife and I have for the last three years, this is the cheesiest, most like default, not not most default, but it is a very unimaginative Christmas tradition. But we, for uh, every year for the past three years, have gone to see the Nutcracker at the San Francisco Ballet. It's such a cheesy thing. And like, I'm someone who, I guess, just for a lot of reasons, like doesn't have a lot of sentimentality around things like the holidays or like spending time with family or whatever. Like I don't, that stuff doesn't really um, resonate with me, but it does for my wife, you know? And so like, Mm -hmm. it's been really kind of almost fun to just like make an affirmative choice to be like, yeah, let's go do this cheesy thing every year, which is also just a thing that is like fantastic music. I mean, uh, but it's also a way for me to condition myself to the enjoyment of just like cheesy holiday crap. Um, which I might not be my instinct. Uh, David Ludfisk in chat has a couple of uh, holiday traditions that I think we might be interested in. Oh, sure. um, licking the crusty old scraps off of pans. <laughs> uh, <laughs> stealing sausages from the rafters. Yeah. Yeah, classic. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, let me, we, let me a be lot clear. Of our, our those, those, those are a given. I, yeah, of yeah, course, yeah. engage in licking oh, the pans and that's, stealing that sausages. Had, I've had rafters. to sort of reintroduce that um, mm. after my, I, you know, my family's been in America for a few generations now. Right, I think sure, that they, they yeah. sort of left those behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back oh, yeah, in Scandinavia. That was, uh, that was definitely a key part of my upbringing, for sure. <laughs> um, do you guys have any other Christmas traditions beyond those obvious ones? Beyond various sniffs, things to sniff, lick, and, yeah. and eat and scrape. <laughs> Steel and steel. Um, uh, we we still do stockings, which is uh, hilarious to me because I never participate in the opening or 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 planting of of uh, stocking gifts. But my father, for whatever reason, like he's not a good gift giver, but he cannot help himself when it comes to stocking stuffers. Like he just loves going 
to the like drugstore and just buying like travel sized like toothpaste and putting it in a stocking <laughs> uh, and then my just dad being loves that pleased shit. as punch what? when I like pull out the thing. He's like, oh, you know, yeah. in case you got a like, you know, you got your, your toothpaste and your uh, oh. your stuff and here's your here's your like working man's hand cream. I just like I, I like found all of these things because like I'll take them home and just like a big like grocery bag every yeah. Christmas right. and then inevitably shove them in a closet. And then I had to move like two weeks ago. And I was like, oh, my God, like, what am I going to do with, like, 30 fucking, like, things, a tiny, like, what am I, what am I going to do with this stuff? No, 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 that's great. I, I, I haven't bought toothpaste in, like, months and months because I've just been collecting the tiny toothpastes. It's great. You just don't have to buy toothpaste, like, pretty much. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll have him ship you, uh, stockings. Yeah, I'll I'll take them. Yeah. uh, Yeah. 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 You're more than welcome. I'll unstuff those stockings. Yeah. Yeah. My dad has always just absolutely love that shit of just finding stupid things that are like this could mm. be useful and putting it in a Christmas stocking but I think he's he has the self-awareness which I really appreciate that as I as my brother and I have gotten older that we don't actually need any of that stuff so now he goes and tries to buy the thing that he will crack up the most at when one of us take it out of a stocking because <laughs> it's a good, dumb good way to go yeah, I mean it's it's just like I mean one time it was like a weird a rubber puppet of human teeth with like uh, wiggling eyes that came off the top of it where you like stick your hand in it and it was like (laughs) that that was i think like the peak of just like i don't know where you're even coming from with this but he thought it was the funniest fucking shit (laughs) right when i took that stupid rubber mouth out of a out of a christmas stocking (laughs) if i were a dad that's definitely the yeah it's just like can i just like find like a three-dimensional manifestation Mm -hmm. of his dad joke and then put it in (laughs) my kid's stocking along with like you know whatever a chocolate bar or something yeah. sure but just he's yeah. just it's for him oh now, i totally respect only. that yeah yeah, yeah i don't need anything you're a grown yeah, adult I man i don't mm-hmm. want any of it yeah, yeah my christmas traditions are basically the all all holiday traditions that i have are basically the same as that i've had since i was born because my parents live a half hour from me and right. i uh, have a good relationship with them and therefore i celebrate all major holidays at their house literally the same place where i grew up mm-hmm. so um I will form no new memories. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. At the end. I've developed a, a, a recent tradition, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, which is that, uh, like, my family, uh, my parents live in a town um, just sort of by themselves away from all of the rest of their family, which is increasingly small anyway. And so uh, we it's just basically me and my parents for the day. And I will just, like, start feeding my mom drinks uh, about 2 o'clock. <laughs> And Nick. Uh, <laughs> the latest, the latest tradition is that I get my mom really happy. Uh, we completely ruin dinner while we're calling like the few relatives that we still maintain contact with, and just like, just be, she's just like a drunk mom, just saying like, "I love you so much," you know, just like, just, just like, you know, the emotion just yeah. pours out of her on yeah, that yeah, yeah, one yeah. day of the year. Yeah. You know, it's it's very good. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good when it's good when like I mean, it's good that her version of being drunk is just being happy and effusive. Oh yeah, no, she just gets can, incredibly you know, happy. Given person, it can go in any direction. Yeah, yeah. She gets very happy. Uh, you know, the roast beef is like brown, and then uh, she just goes, "Well, what are you gonna do?" And then like right. passes out at like eight o'clock. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. nice. All right, yeah. that's a good weird tradition you have. I approve of that. Yeah. Um. Just <clears throat> Eric Hall writes. As a former graphic designer who now manages other designers, I find I have no direct creative outlet at my job. 
Now in my 40s, I find myself having a hard time developing new hobbies to fill that creative void. I've recently dipped my toe into jewelry making and leatherworking, but I have a hard time committing the time needed to master a craft. Have you find your, found yourselves interested in learning a new, not work-related skill, but struggle to fully commit? What are your strategies for overcoming this? Just I don't stop have committing. any strategies. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't have any strategies for overcoming this because I, I always inevitably fall off because I don't yeah. give it enough time. Yeah. Same. Me too. I've, I really struggle with that. I think it's a, it's really challenging mm-hmm. in general. I mean, I think it's probably, it's probably, it's both more possible to do than it ever has before in history and probably harder to keep yourself to mm-hmm. than it ever has been before for the same reason, which is that there is just so much out there. There's so much information. There's so much like self-education you have easy access to, but by the same token, there's so much distraction and there's just, I mean, it's so easy to get pulled in so many directions. I definitely struggle with this for sure. I I have found honestly, like the most reliable way for me to get myself to learn a new skill. This sucks to say, because it's the opposite of what he asks, but is to like make it necessary to my job. Is to like mm. give myself some responsibility at my job that relies on me learning that thing that I may not have, might not have been intrinsically part of my job, but I can make part of my job and then give myself a kick in the ass. Yep. I feel yeah. like uh, we lucked into Idle Thumbs being sort of a part of our personal identity since we yeah. were younger because yeah. it's allowed like just your experience in audio broadcasting and like all the stupid video bullshit and like the build out of this room, which I talk about a lot because it's my only fucking hobby other than just like, yeah, me too. Other than just Mm. like consuming media and going on a walk. I mean, I I have other hobbies, but they don't, they don't have anything to do with me. Like learning real skills or doing anything of value. I mean, we're also, I'm, ah, I would. I don't know if I'm doing anything of value in this room, but I'm definitely learning a lot <laughs> well, of new skills. I mean, we're, we're of, arguably of doing something me. of value. Yeah. One could make a case because we're doing a podcast right now for people paying us money uh, to ask us questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah so that's true. According to someone, we're allegedly doing something of value. Yeah, I've, um, th- through it's it's such a cheat. Idle thumbs is such a cheat because through yeah. it, I've learned so many things purely out of the sort of passion and desire to learn how they work yeah. and then apply them to idle thumbs. But then that always ends up all of the knowledge that I've learned from that also ends up cheating and being able to fold into my regular job because I work at a company that produces media. Right. So like that's also, it's not like we're up here in a band and then we go and sell right. shoes mm-hmm. or something, you know? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> what is that? I'm just like, <laughs> just like complete Oh, you mean like we're pers- shoe salesmen in our day job yeah. but we're also yeah. in a band. Yeah. Man, that's a good story. That's a good, like, right? If you're, like, in a band, then that's your coming up story. That's pretty good. You're all shoe salesmen. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the sort of underlying what is the thing that allows you to um, <clears throat> learn a skill in your free time, I think probably is that, actually, someone asked me this recently, and this was my answer, was having some level of public accountability is what keeps me doing it. Like, we put out, We've definitely missed weeks of podcast occasionally, but pretty rarely um, do we just straight up skip an episode of a podcast. Also, it's pretty I mean, for, rare. For the last year, for the last maybe a couple of years, I feel like we've put out more than a podcast a week on we average. We have, on average, for sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and I think having that like public expectation of it definitely helps keep me honest. Um, so, yeah. I don't know how to just create that from nothing. I, mean, um, I would also, I would, I mean, I would say um, if you, if that is like unattractive to you or not possible for whatever reason, like I would say just find anybody in that field that you might know or like 
anybody who has like a hobby that you're you know already that you're interested in pursuing and then just like use them as like a sounding board or, or well and you, you did know. this recently nick yeah that's true i did yeah uh that's true uh yeah no my girlfriend janelle is an animator and i just i had a couple weeks and i thought oh maybe i'll just try animating a little bit and she basically said like I mean, I won't like be like a full time teacher, but I will, you know, pop in and like give you notes on whatever you're doing. And it was probably the one reason why I stuck with it as long as I did. I mean, I stopped, of course, because I'm a lazy piece of shit. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, because at a certain point, it's, you know, it's not something I'm just going to keep doing for hours and hours a day. But um, but yeah, I think like if you can find somebody who knows what they're talking about and if they'll be kind enough to provide you with feedback, I feel like that is the sort of smaller version of that. Yeah, there, there is no real replacement for having a teacher. I mean, yeah. to the extent that I've learned a bunch of audio production and editing and things like that through Idle Thumbs, I will say that doing it completely on my own without any guidance whatsoever has probably led to it taking like a high multiplier of hours on what it theoretically had to take for me to actually get oh, yeah. decent at it. And I, I there are probably all sorts of things I just have never learned that if I had a mentor who legitimately was yep. actually an expert at this stuff. If there was another like podcast editor or ing- or like audio engineer down the hall from your old San Francisco right. apartment who you'd been like, hey, can you come <laughs> right. take a look at this? They'd be like, yeah. oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. here's four things that I'll tell you right now mm-hmm. that will just shave three months of learning off of your off yeah. of your early time doing this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Th- th- that's that's a tough thing about self self teaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nick, the the stuff that you did was cool. You spent what like a month learning how to be a 3D animator. Uh, like three, three weeks ish, yeah. Three weeks, a yeah. Month, you po- yeah. Nick posted. So I didn't. Know, I had no idea you were doing this until you posted a video of your reel to Twitter. Nick wanted to wait till he got good before he showed anyone. It was cool. <laughs> it was cool to see. It was like, wow. I that's. You, I mean, I don't know anything about this stuff, and you just like made a bunch of dinosaurs walk around and stuff. Good job. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's it was just fun to learn, even just like scrape the surface of it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And that's always the that's always the danger. I feel like I've I've there's so many things I've done that with, you mm-hmm. know, where I've gotten mm-hmm. to that baseline level of familiarity, but yeah, not a point at which it's like good or valuable. It's so fun to like mm-hmm. learn when the entire possibility space is in front of you, and it's like all of the gains are easy gains. Right, but, but then, then if once you're like, you get, I'm going to animate a short film. Oh, kill me! <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no, no, yeah. no, no, yeah, no, no, exactly. no, no, no. That's the nope. hard. That's the hard wall to climb for yeah. sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the part where I think. Like doing idle thumbs was is helpful because you just have to keep plugging away at it because yes. people who listen to it. Right. Um, uh, all right. So Matt asks, "What's one piece of pop culture you wish you could be into or understand the hype around, but just don't care?" As an example, I wish I could get excited about watching The International, but I really just don't care for Dota. Mm. Uh, Premier League football and anime. Huh. <laughs> Those are interesting polls. I, I like. Yeah. I can watch and respect. And I, I I can enjoy like World Cup or like other big league mm-hmm. soccer matches. But my, I have a few friends who, like, either in England or in the U.S., who follow yeah. just either either Premier League or their nation's football. Right. And it's like that's interesting. But I just can't get myself hyped up. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I gave two shits about about yeah. anime, other than a couple of tiny ones that I've seen and liked. But yeah. like. I, I, just, I just can't. I yeah. just won't. Brain won't do it. Those are two interesting uh, cases for me because I feel like I would broaden out f- football to be or, you know, soccer or whatever to be sports, which honestly broadly is something I have just never been able to get interested in. Um, and I kind of wish I could because I theoretically 
conceptually like it's really cool it's people just you know like being amazing athletes and skillful people at a, a very unusual set of skills and mm-hmm. it's you know you watch this like contest and it's low stakes in the sense that like no one's going to die or anything most of the time and like it that's it's cool like that stuff is cool um but i just don't ever actually i can't it doesn't hold my attention which is a bummer to me Nick, what do you, anything come to mind for you? God, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, I know there are like a thousand things like this for me. I would, like Janelle would I think of 10 right off the top of her head. But uh, I mean, like just, mm, this is very hyper specific, but like, I guess uh, like uh, public player unknowns, battlegrounds or whatever, which is like, mm. you know, it's like a very specific example. Yeah. Uh, but like, man, that game is massive. And I, I just, for whatever reason, it just, I, I, I can't, I, I yeah, just I'm with can't you on that do too, it actually. Yeah. I just I'm kind of, kind of with you there. I recognize why it's popular, but it just playing it, it brings me no joy whatsoever. And I have no, yeah. I have no interest in sort of following it or anything, but man, people are obsessed with it. And I just feel like I'm just missing out on the biggest phenomenon, but I just, I can't do it. I don't know. I would say, yeah, I would, again, actually in the same way I did with Jake, I would broaden that out for me. Similarly to sports, to competitive online multiplayer games, which are something that I am like, again, in theory, incredibly fascinated by and seem like such a rich vein of like competition and excitement and skill. But I and this is increased the older I get, the older I get, the less I can bring myself to engage with it. The one exception I've really ever had is when we played a bunch of Starcraft together. Mm -hmm. But even then I was playing like 2v2, which is not really like legitimate competitive Starcraft. Right. I mean, If I were really into it, I would have been playing one v one, but I even then I couldn't I couldn't handle it. Yeah. Um. So that's that's similar to sports for me. It's something I wish I could be more into than I am. Hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I can't say as anything as broadly as sports because like I really like baseball. Don't give a crap about American football. Yeah. But whenever I watch soccer in particular, it's captivating enough that I sort of oh, start yeah. to feel myself yeah, getting yeah, interested yeah. and yep. then always slide off. A I bit. feel I actually feel the same way about soccer because I love the World Cup and I think part of because the world cup takes like this fundamental kind of excitement of sports generally which i feel like i understand in theory Mm -hmm. uh but then it combines it with another thing i love which is just like the world is like you know it's like oh it's like (laughs) i just it's like heartwarming to me it's like oh cool like this is an event that actually puts together all of these nations of the world it's why i conceptually think the olympics are cool it's like there's just something sort of positive and yep. wonderful about that. Like, it's cool that there's a sport that every country pretty much plays at a comp- at some yeah. competitive level, right? And it's like, that's that's awesome. Like, yeah, I, I think that's so mm-hmm. cool. Um, yeah. No, I relate to that, though, Jake. I, I, have, this, I have the exact I played a ton yearning. of soccer as a kid. I played soccer I, up, yeah, up through high school. That's a common American experience. Yeah, I played yeah, soccer, I played played soccer as well. Yeah. And, like, you know, I, I got to the point that I started to – at least, like as uh, teen levels, understand that it was it was more than just kids running around kicking a ball. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's still never never hooked up into my brain. But I I want it to. I I actually. But made I don't a want point. it to enough to like commit to making myself <laughs> care just through dedicating hours to I, watching it. I I made a point uh, like the last few months that we were in San Francisco. They were doing World Cup qualifiers, and I actually made a point to go out to a bar because it's hard to like watch that stuff at home. Like it's on bizarre channels and stuff that you just can't get. But like Janelle and I, like two different, maybe three different times, I said, "Let's go watch the United States World Cup qualifier uh, on X day." And they were terrible. Like, they were just awful. And they didn't qualify. And they're not in the World Cup. And so I was just, like, kind of bummed about it. But, like, my yearning for, like, Premier League is, like, that's clearly where, like, 
you know, you can follow a team. They play every week. Like it's it's sort of like I, I assume if you're really into, um, I don't know, like like American baseball, and you live as you opposed know, in, to what? In, as opposed to which baseball, Nick? Sorry, <laughs> as opposed to which baseball? Well, Japanese, oh, Japan, baseball. Japanese baseball, or or that you know, I, a, or, I mean, America, you know. I guess I don't know the length of a Japanese baseball season, but that sport is still actually the same as opposed to American football versus no, 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 uh, no, no. Football. I'm saying literally, no, no, no. Sports, I'm, yeah. I'm saying it's the place in which like the best players in the world go to play in that sure. particular league. Uh, yeah. As opposed you just mean to like an MLB game. Yeah, like okay. like I'm saying there are leagues in Europe that are clearly like at a level that you know american yeah. soccer is just not on and like i wish that i had an attachment or even just a, a way to watch that stuff and be able to get into it but it just seems impenetrable anyway yeah. i had zero interest in uh basketball my entire life and when i moved back to san francisco i started watching a couple of warriors games and when they became just like incredible and i liked the players on the team to such a degree that it just became yeah. this very easy onboarding experience and now i am like fucking hooked and like i won't even i don't even watch that many games but i just like read about it and like follow the sort of storylines and uh, i'm aware of kind of the trends like it's it's an evolving game as a game which makes it more interesting to me like Mm. there are things happening in basketball right now that just you can just feel like that game is just changing every year and i find that to be the most interesting aspect it's like they're releasing like a new patch yeah i mean honestly like yeah kind of yeah it's 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 fun anyway all right, last question. Andy Gorman asks, Nick Brecken, have you seen the movie Everybody Wants Some? And if so, what are your thoughts? God damn it. <laughs> I feel like we've gotten this question. It feels like this is a very yeah. familiar yeah. question. Yeah. You uh, must, they must have seen it by now. I mean, my, my, holi- my Christmas tradition is to watch the movie Everybody Wants Some oh, okay. uh, every year. And so, uh, yeah, but I have not, sense. but it's, it's, a, new it's it. a new we tradition. It's a new tradition. And so tradition, after Christmas this year, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll let you know. <laughs> All right. I look forward to seeing if that's true or not. We're going to do another one of these in like a month. So, I mean, I'll have Get nothing ready. to do. Uh, so I may as well. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for this uh, languid ruination cast. Um, Thank you for joining us. If you're interested in becoming a question asker on this, head over to patreon.com slash idle thumbs and you'll find information there. Uh, Otherwise, we will be back with an episode of Idle Thumbs in a couple weeks, a full video game episode of Idle Thumbs. And um, thank you for listening. For Idle Thumbs, I'm Chris Remo. I'm I'm Nick Brecken. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Wow, indeed. Wow. Wow. Is that from... I don't know Who are you? Who's this other from. person over I'm here? I'm Jake Rutkin. <laughs> okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> There's a bet for $5, by the way, going on in chat that you don't watch that movie, Nick. Oh. Prove these haters wrong. All right.